0: Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. I'm Carrick Butler, the pastor of Faith Christian Center. Thanks for tuning in today. We believe today's message is going to help you live this lifestyle of faith. It's going to empower you to live a life that makes Jesus famous wherever you go. Open up your heart. We know God has something special just for you. And we believe that as you listen to today's message, something good is going to happen to you. So listen up. I'll talk to you today at the end of our broadcast. Verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now for us people, especially if you were in the last few series with me, this sounds very familiar because we know Jesus preached from this in Luke 4. So let's go to Luke 4. And we'll come back to Isaiah 61, which will be our base for the day. Luke 4. Start with verse 16, then. And Jesus came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and as his custom was. Now, we're about to see what his custom was, his habit. It wasn't just he went into synagogue, which is a good custom and habit to have, this is what he was teaching on a regular basis, teaching and preaching from in the early days of his ministry. So anytime he got up to read, this is what he read. This was his custom. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and he gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all of them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say, so he didn't finish this entire message. He began to teach it in this location. This day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. So what did Jesus say? So he turned to the same passage. And in this synagogue, he wasn't able to finish because of their hearts. But he's preached this in other places. So what he just read was Isaiah 61 through part of verse two, and he says, what you see in verse one and the half of verse two is being fulfilled in front of you today. So go to Acts chapter one. So if that was starting, what happened after that? Because Jesus' ministry, although he lived on earth over a little bit, over 33 years before he ascended into heaven, his ministry was for just over three years. So what did he do? After that, Acts chapter one, verse one. One of the things for some of you Bible scholars know is Luke is part one and Acts is part two. It's written by the same author. And so Luke says, the former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to both do and teach. Notice it once again, began. Until the day in which he was taken up after that he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. So after Jesus was taken up, the ministry of Jesus continued Through the Holy Spirit. Now some people call the Acts, the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, and you could, but it's even more correctly titled the Acts of the Holy Ghost, because the ministry of Jesus continues through the ministry of the Holy Spirit who's working in our lives today. So the ministry of Jesus didn't end. It's still going on today through his body, the body of Christ. If you're a believer, you're part of the body of Christ. So now let's go back to Isaiah 61. Jesus is anointed. This is anointed to heal, which means to cure, to make whole. The brokenhearted, which means broken into shivers and to crush. He spring liberty and set people free and heal those who are bruised. And that word bruised means broken by calamity or oppressed. That word bruised is so interesting it means broken by calamity or oppressed. And when we look around everything that's going on this year, In the state of so many people, we can define a lot of people broken down by calamity or oppressed. Like, what do you mean oppressed? Think about when you've you've read different articles or you just paid attention, you've seen people's anxiety skyrocket. We've seen mental issues skyrocket. Now, I believe in Holy Ghost therapists. There's no wrong with you going—there's nothing wrong with you going to a therapist, just like there's nothing wrong with you going to a doctor. Amen? It is not a lack of faith that you went to a doctor. No. You your trust is always in God, but God may minister to you through a doctor. Same way through a therapist. So get out of your thinking that, oh, I'm out of faith if I go to a doctor. No. Luke was a doctor. If God didn't believe in doctors, why would he use a doctor to write two books? All right? So sometimes people have gotten out of faith and called things faith. It was actually foolishness or presumption. Well, Pastor, isn't there a scripture in the Bible where someone died because they went to the doctors? No, it says because he put his trust in the doctors and not in God. Remember, God is our source. We have many resources. So God is my source. So yes, I believe in receiving healing from reading the Word. Yes, I believe in laying on hands and the gifts of the Spirit, but I also believe in exercising and eating right and vitamins and elderberry and wisdom from doctors. Those are different resources that God has given so that we can be healthy. Amen? So that applies to every area of life. But we see Jesus anointed to bring healing and liberty to those who have been broken down by calamity and to those who are oppressed. And so we saw the ministry of Jesus those a little bit over three years contained in verse 1 and half of verse 2, which means what is left is the ministry of the Holy Ghost through the church today. So what Jesus started continues, but there's even more for us today. Jesus started and he stopped there because that's what he was going to do for a little bit over three years. So what you see left in Isaiah 61 is for us today. It says for us today. Isaiah 61, verse 2. And the day of vengeance of our God. Before we get that that first part of verse 2, we'll claim the acceptable year of the Lord is the year of Jubilee, which is a high point of restoration. That the year of Jubilee took place every 50 years on the Jewish calendar. And if you were in debt, your debt was canceled on that year. But even beyond that, because that's something that happened every seven years, if you lost anything, because of financial instability or your financial mistakes, and you had to sell your family's portion, you had to sell your inheritance. Remember he's talking to the Jews who had an inheritance in the land promised by God. And if for some reason they had to sell their property, their land, that came to them because of how they were born, every 50 years it was given back to them. Which when we think about, when we study the scriptures, that when God wants us to live at least 120 years, that means you had at least two do-overs that God in his graciousness and knowing us and our issues and our problems, put it even in the law and says, hey, twice in year, if you get a complete do-over. And every seven years, I knock out your debt. Now, God didn't want the people to live in debt. When he read the law, he says, there should be no poor among you. Because God wanted Israel to be the example of prosperity so the rest of the world can follow. And one of the things we understand about the old covenant it's an old laws, old covenant, it's still active today, but we as the church have a new covenant, a better covenant based, off, based on better promises. What makes a 20 better than a 10? It has a 10 in it, plus some. So if God can bring such restoration as supernatural debt cancellation and do-overs every 50 years, what can he do for you? So you don't have to wait for a year 50 for it to happen. You can take it by faith now because it's part of your covenant. That's one of the reasons when we lead our confessions that I receive supernatural debt cancellation. Why? God is still doing it right now. And although people say, all the things going on in this year, why don't you just get out of debt? Oh, pastor, that's impossible to you. But what about to your God? Well, there's no way I can prosper this year. Why? Well, didn't you see the news? Yes, but I looked at good news. I refuse to limit myself to the narrative of the world. When the world says this is all you can have, why should I listen to them? If God says I can have more, then I'm going to get the more. Well, they don't like me in this organization because of my color, my age, my gender. I did not ask them to like me. My covenant says I can have more. So, of course, it's systematic racism because Babylon is a system. Well, don't live off of Babylon, live off of the kingdom of God. Didn't the scripture tell us we overcome the systems of the world by our faith? So if there's something in front of you and the career God has called you to in the form of people not liking you because of your gender, because of your race, because of your age, because of your background, overcome it by your faith. God can use people who don't even like you to bless you. They, don't, they might say, I don't even understand why I'm doing this, but here's your race. I don't even like you. They may cuss a little bit, but you still got the raise. Stop limiting God to how he can do things. Put your faith in God and believe in the favor of God. Because didn't God give the children of Israel favor when they left Egypt? You know, they, they weren't popular people. Their God had just judged the empire for them. But then God gave them favor and they went up and knocked on the door and said, you know, That new suit you bought last week, I like that. And they go, sure, let me give it to you. You know, my wife really likes that dress. Sure, you should take that. You know, those jewelry look good too. They gave it to them. Why? Favor. And the scripture says they spoiled the Egyptians that way, by the favor of God. So stop limiting yourself to what you can do on your own and put your faith in God. The day of the vengeance of our God. There's so much you can preach into that, but I'm getting that today to comfort all that mourn. Now let's look at the phrase, to comfort all that mourn. So who's that for? Everybody. So in the ministry of the Holy Ghost today, in the ministry of the church, there is comfort for everybody. There is comfort available to all those who mourn. And that word mourn means those who are mourning for the dead and mourning for calamity. So in the midst of everything that's going on this year, the Holy Spirit has provided comfort for every single person, whether they believe in Jesus or not. And we as people who are filled with the Spirit, anointed by the Spirit, are anointed to bring comfort. Even Paul says, you know, that may they be comforted with the same comfort we received. So wherever you go, you can bring comfort. You say, oh, they have to believe in Jesus. Actually, they don't. You can bring comfort to them and the comfort you give them leads them to Jesus. You know, I saw this online either this week or last week, and it says, you know, may we leave a little bit of heaven wherever we go. And part of the ministry of heaven is bringing comfort. They may not even understand why this is, but when you show up, that oppression leaves, that grief leaves, that sorrow leaves. Just when you show up, you walked in, and I don't feel that anymore. But when you walk out, I feel it again. It's like, what happened? Well, not to get deep on you, what bothers you is afraid of what's in me. And if you let me pray with you, what gets into you will be stronger than that. It can't bother you anymore. What is that? Supernatural witnessing. Because you've been walking in the awareness of God. And you walk in and God can move in the place where you are because you're there. But that's when we get our faith and our focus on him and live in awareness of him. There's more that God has for us today. And we have to walk in it. So there's comfort available to Everybody. But notice what happens in verse 3. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion. So now he's getting very specific. Comfort for everybody. But now concerning those who mourn in Zion. Well, what is Zion? We know Zion is also natural Israel. But there's also another Zion. Go to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22. So we see comfort for everybody. But now he says, now concerning those who mourn in Zion. Something, the word appoint means set up. So something has been prepared and set up for those who are mourning in Zion. It's already ready. Guess what? If it's already ready, you can get it whenever you want it. You know, one of the things I like to do when I cook for my family, I try to cook multiple meals on one day. Then after it's done, I put everything in the refrigerator so whenever they want it, they can get it. Why? It's already set up. It's already prepared. It's already appointed. They say, well, can I have this? It's already set up it's already prepared it's already so whenever you want it you can go get it so there are some things that are set up for these people who are zion or in zion hebrews 12 verse 22 but you are coming to mount zion unto the city of the living god the heavenly jerusalem And to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and the spirits of just men made perfect, and Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks of better things than that of Abel. So, one of the things you have to say there is an earthly Zion, but there is a heavenly Zion. There is an earthly Jerusalem, and there is a heavenly Jerusalem. And our citizenship is not an earthly Jerusalem, but it's an heavenly Jerusalem. We are heavenly Zion. And so there are times you see in the Old Testament, it's not just talking about Israel because God's plan for Israel still stands. God still has plans for the nation of Israel and the Jewish people. He did not eradicate that. The law and covenant to them still works today. God said, I'll bless those that bless you so I wouldn't get in their way. But also there's a new covenant to us, heavenly Zion. And so that means what is set up for Zion It's set up for us. So let's go back to Isaiah 61. And if you're new here at Faith, we are a Bible-teaching church. We believe in the book. So you can see Scripture after Scripture after Scripture after Scripture. One of the ways I was trained, our bishop taught me, so you prove your message like you are a lawyer in a courtroom because we never want your faith to stand in the wisdom of men or the philosophy of men, or the opinions of men, but in the power of the word of God. And so we like to say it this way, you're not, under obligated to listen to, you're not under obligation to listen to a preacher just because they're a preacher. If they can't prove it to you from the book, then you're under no obligation to receive it. Isaiah 61, verse 3. To appoint, to set up, make ready unto them that are born in Zion. So these are people, that's us, that's ready for us. To give unto them beauty for ashes. This word ashes means what's left over after burning. It means worthlessness. That if something has burned down, there's nothing left to salvage. There's nothing left to save. Everything around you is worthless. It's not what it used to be. But this word beauty... It's an interesting definition. It means a fancy headdress, a tiara, a turban. Remember, this is a Middle Eastern people he's prophesying to. And one of the the examples of royalty or prosperity was what they were wearing on their head. And so the ladies had tiaras. The men had these turbans with this beautiful jewel right there. And so when everything around you looks worthless and burnt down, there's a great exchange available to you because random people weren't walking around with tiaras and the fancy headdresses. These are people of means. This means some restoration has happened. So when there is things that have been burned down or worthless, you're looking around, just know there's already made ready for you because you're in Zion, a great exchange, and you can receive beauty for your ashes. You can receive restoration for what you've lost. So now you're not gonna look like what you've been through. Because if everything burned down, you're not gonna be walking around with a tiara or a fancy turban on because that would have burned down too. But there's such a great exchange available for the people of God that even if something happened and everything was lost, your God is a God of restoration. It's already made ready and set up for you. The oil of joy for mourning. We know the oil represents the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of the Holy Spirit. This is the oil of joy, and this word joy here, it means gladness, joy, exaltation, and rejoicing. Gladness, joy, exaltation, and rejoicing. And so instead of you having to continue to mourn, he has joy for you, an anointing of joy, an anointing of rejoicing, so that even when people say, well, you should be broken down, you still have something on the inside that says keep going. And you tap in a little bit more, it's joy. And then when you should be crying, you have a smile. And then you, people said you should be depressed in bed, but you're happy. Why? There's something on the inside from the Holy Spirit that it can keep you going when everybody else said you should quit. There's something on the inside of you because you're born again that will keep you moving when everybody says you should give up. And it is the joy of the Lord. And it says in Nehemiah, the joy of the Lord is your strength. So don't give in to the narrative of the world that says you should be sad this year. It says, well, if I was relying on this year to be happy, I probably would be sad. But if I have a covenant with God, If I'm not limited to what goes on in the world, if I'm not limited to the systems of this world, if my hope is not in a presidential election or in the Congress or in the Supreme Court, if my hope is actually in God, if my faith is actually in God, I have a reason to rejoice. I have a reason to shout. I have a reason to be happy. I expect miracles. Something good is going to happen to me today because I have a good God. I can expect restoration. I can expect to have joy. I can expect beauty for my ashes and the oil joy for mourning because my God is good and my faith is in God and not in the systems of the world. The garment, which means a wrap, a mantle, a covering, a veil of praise, See, it also says in the scripture elsewhere, praise looks good on the upright. Praise looks good on the righteous. Praise looks good on the people of God. And it says, He'll give you a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, which means despair, fainting, and weakness. So instead of being weak, instead of faint, instead of having despair, God has some other clothes for you. And you have to understand, Jesus, the mediator and the minister of our new covenant. And see, he showed this to me one time years ago. I was in Texas and I was just having a rough day. Anybody ever had just a rough day? And so worship was going on. I was like, Jesus, I need you to do something. And so I'm worshiping. My eyes are closed and I see it inside my spirit. Jesus walks up to me, kneels in front of me, and he puts something over my shoulders. And that despair and that heaviness left and then he disappeared. And then I realized it was the garment of praise for that heaviness that had been on me. And see, that doesn't just happen to me because, oh, you're a pastor, you're this spiritual gift, you're this office. No, I'm part of Zion. I have a covenant. Your Jesus will minister to you. He will give you praise and rejoicing for the spirit of heaviness. And when you encounter that from Jesus, you need to rejoice. You need to shout. You need to thank God. You need to praise his name. Praise looks good on you. Praise looks good on the upright. And we always have a reason to praise. We always have a reason to rejoice. We always have a reason to shout. We always have a reason to thank God. Because our God has been good. He has been faithful. We always have a reason to praise and rejoice. Glory to Jesus forevermore. Well, go ahead and praise him. Glory to your name, God. You are the almighty God. You are the most high God. There is no one like you, God. Oh, we give you glory. Oh, we give you honor. Oh, we give you praise. We're in expectation of you. We're in expectation of you. We're in expectation of you, not the world, not the systems of the world, not the government, not Wall Street. We're in expectation of you. Glory to Jesus. Glory for Jesus forevermore. Now, what's the result going to be? That they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. Come on, planted, rooted, can't be pushed over by the storms of life. The storms of life will come, but you won't be knocked over. Storms come to everybody, but you're not going to be knocked over. You know, someone said it this way. They says, we've all been through the same storm this year, but we haven't all been in the same boat. That's true. Get in the boat of faith. Get in the boat of victory. Get in the boat of restoration. Get in the boat of healing. Get in the boat of prosperity. Yeah, we may all be going through the same storm, but we're going to come out a different way. planted, rooted by the rivers of water always bearing fruit in our season not limited to the drought of the world because we have a source of the almighty God rooted the planting of the Lord that he might be glorified you being broke, sick, disgusted and depressed does not bring God glory but you living in victory. You rejoicing, and you telling everybody, it wasn't because I was so smart, it's because my God's been so good. Brings Him glory, and makes other people want to know Him. This is what He has available for you. Right now, set up. You don't need a prophecy to get it. You don't have to wait for the year to change to get it. You don't need someone to come before you and say, this is what's for you today. It's already made ready to those who are in Zion. And by your faith, by your words, by your rejoicing, he lay hold to it. You can take it any time. Whether you feel spiritual or not, whether you feel good or not, you can take it. See, we receive by faith. That word receive means take it. You need to take it because it's yours. Don't let the enemy take it from you. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold to eternal life. It's for you today, right now. So don't buy the narrative of the world. This is for you. Oh, pastor, what about the election? However the election turns out, this is still for me. God said, this is my year of restoration. So that means whoever is elected, restoration is going to come. See, uh, I don't care who wins. Pastor, don't you know what's at stake? I do not care who wins because what God has said. My faith is not in an election. It's in God. My faith is not in the Supreme Court. It's in God. My faith is not in the Congress. It's in God. We need to stop being so worldly and getting caught up in the world and everything they're afraid of. You have to understand the world is afraid of a lot of things because they have no hope. They don't know what you know. But all this has been set up for you. So even things happen, you say, you know, I take what I need. Because it's yours. Right now. That's why it's so important to know the books so you know what belongs to you. I remember hearing this story about a preacher about over 100 years ago and he was visiting a lady who had been shut in and couldn't get out, and so he went into the room, and she had someone who had, she was older now, but earlier in life, she had took care of someone who was older and was just a great blessing to him, and she didn't have a large education she couldn't read, and she had something on the wall, and she says, and the pastor said, well, what's that? They said, oh, he's like, oh, I took care of this man all this years ago, and you know, he just gave it to me, something to remember him by, and the pastor said, can I borrow this for real quick? So sure, I'll bring her right back. He ran down to the bank and says, is this still good? He says, yes, we've been wondering who this man left his money to. She was living below her station because she didn't know what she had. She would have been comfortable the rest of her life. Until so the man of God says, you got more than you think you got. So I'm here to tell you today, you got more than you think you got. You have more than you think you got. You have a covenant and it all belongs to you. You have to lay hold to it by faith and not allow the enemy to convince you that it's not yours anymore. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Go to Joel chapter 2. Joel chapter 2. Glory to God. So, one of the things we saw in verse 1 through 3 here is life restoration. Life restoration. Sometimes life happens. Sometimes the enemy attacks. Sometimes evil people do evil things. Sometimes we as the people of God do stupid things. But God still has life restoration for us. So in Joel chapter 2, I think I might finish the message. Who knows? It's possible. Joel chapter 2. And he's prophesying to a people who messed up the reason they had what they had going on was because of their mistake. It wasn't the enemy. It wasn't other people. It was them. So, Joel chapter 2, verse 23. Be glad then, ye children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the former rain moderately. And it will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain and the latter rain, in the first month. And the floor shall be full of wheat, and the thatch shall overflow with wine and oil. So, wheat, wine, and oil. Why is that important? Because it was the staples of their economy, their agricultural society. And if they're overflowing with wheat, wine, and oil, that means they have a good economy. It was beyond stable, it is now in abundance. And he says, what's going to happen is your economy is going to be good, you're going to have more than enough. And I will restore. You might think, well, that was pretty good to have more than enough, but God's not done yet. See, a lot of times we're done before God is done. You have to understand, God wants you to prosper more than you want to prosper. God wants you to be healthy more than you want to be healthy. God wants you to be restored more than you want to be restored. It's his character. It's his nature. It's who he is. And I will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten. The cankerworm, the caterpillar, the palmer one, my great army which I sent among you. Why? They left the will of God, and so these came in and destroyed their crops. But I want you to notice something about years. He didn't just say your years. Because what if there's a previous generation someone had been stolen from because of different reasons? Or their disobedience. Years. 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 Not just your years, even the years before you. Even things that were stolen from people who came before you, from your ancestors, from those in your legacy who were taken by even evil men, wicked systems, or their own mistakes. God wants to restore it to you in your lifetime. See, I remember 20 years ago, I was in a service, and Brother Copeland was preaching. I don't even remember most of his message, and Brother Copeland preaches a good two hours plus. But one of the themes of his message is about being the captain of your inheritance. And so I began to say as a teenager, I'm the captain of my inheritance. What was denied, stolen, or taken from those who came before me because of evil men, wicked men, their own mistakes is restored to me in my lifetime. I take it, it's mine, it's available. So let's say it this way. You know, you guys don't mind me preaching to you like I preach when I'm in Africa, right? So yes, things may have been stolen from you because of your race or the color of your skin, but God can give it back to you. God can get it back to you. And so when I go over there, I say, yes, the colonists may have taken something, but God can give it back to you. Stop looking to the government for your restoration. They may never do something, so why wait on them? They're notoriously slow in almost everything except when you owe them money. Put your faith in God. You know, God, this was taken from this person in my family, but I lay claim to it. Remember, we said the whole world belongs to you. So receive it the best property, the best places going beyond yourself not limiting yourself to what you've seen but going beyond yourself your faith you said, well with my see pastor I'm really good with a budget and you should have a budget I'm not saying get out your budget but with what I make I cannot do that or sustain that I didn't say get it from your salary or from your budget I said believe God just believe God. He said, Well, it doesn't make sense. I didn't say it needed to make sense. That just makes faith. You just believe God for stuff and it shows up, and people are like, How? It says, You know, I don't even know how to explain it. I just know God is good. Just expand your faith and believe God. You know, I've seen it happen to so many people who are called my elders in the faith. I've been around them, and they're some of the most generous people you ever met. Now, the news talks about them, how much money they got. They probably got more money than the news knows about, but they're so generous. Like, have you ever seen people rush to pay something off? That's what they do, and it's all and they believe so much in seed, time, and harvest. Like, I'm not gonna let you sow seed that I don't sow seed. I'm gonna add something to it, and I'm gonna add something to it. And like, what, what, what just happened here? They believe in being generous because they saw what worked to them. So it's not just about how much you can have. It's all about being a blessing and enjoying the fruits of your labor and the fruits of your faith. It's all of that together. Because you got to think, you're almost limited if you stay on a natural mindset. You're limited to what you can produce. And you may want to do more for people, but you're limited. But if you take out, a step outside of your limitations and you believe God, not only will you have a higher standard of life in your family, but your community is thankful that you're there. They're just thankful that you're there. Whenever you go back to your favorite restaurants, they're thankful you show up because you tip big. That you're a blessing. That's all oh, your kids going to college. Well, you know, how much are they? Oh, well, I got it for you. Go beyond yourself. Go into the realm of faith. All things are possible to them that believe. All things are possible. All things are possible. And all these things have been laid up for you. It's for you. We've barely scratched the surface of what God has made available for us. And it's been available for over 2000 years. But people who dare to believe what he says and follow the leading of the spirit and make a decision that no matter what, I'm walking in love, I can get it. You refuse to be offended. You refuse. So they are trifling, yep, refuse. Did you hear what they said in the debate? Yep, refuse. Did you see what they tweeted? Yep, refuse. Did you see what the news said? Yep, refuse. Because love is the path to victory. But if I get offended and I stay in offense, I cut off the blessing from working. I stopped my faith from working. And if I stay in offense long enough, I may be afraid of someone's ability to hurt me. So now my faith's not working at all. I'm in fear. And you know what? Your fear will bring to you what you fear. It says in Job 3:25 and 26, I feared a fear and it came upon me. Faith is a force. Fear is a force. You need to not be caught up in the world's offense and the world's fear and switch over to faith. And you have to pay attention to yourself when you notice when you're getting into fear. Because you may not even plan to, but you see it creeping up. I remember earlier this week, I don't even remember what it was, but all of a sudden, I felt fear creeping up. Ah, uh, uh, no, we stopping this right here. Right here. No. And so, since it was health-related, I'm like, you know what? Because I've heard all the news reports. So let me hear the good report. And... I believe in technology. Let's go look into Sister Gloria Copeland preach on healing back in hmm, 1981. Play. What? Building my faith back up. You have to know yourself well enough to identify. I'm, no, no, I'm slipping here. Let me get back to where I'm supposed to be. And we have so much available to us today. And we put a lot on our app, but there's even stuff beyond that. So there's times like I want to hear Oral Roberts preaching a crusade back in the tent. YouTube. Do do do. Go ahead, man of God. Preach. That's good preaching Oral Roberts. So like he can't hear you. Maybe God will tell him that I said amen or something. But watching what I need so I can keep going, you have to watch over your soul the same way. So when you feel yourself slipping, you get what you need and you go back up. All right, we're still on Joel. I said I thought we might get through the message. Who knows? We'll see. The word restore here means, it comes from the Hebrew word shalom, which is connected to the Hebrew word for peace, shalom. Which means to be at peace, to be complete, to live in peace, to make whole, to make compensation or recompense, to reward, to complete, to perform. And so God is the God of peace. He's called that in the Old Testament and the New Testament. But if you haven't been restored, you're not whole. So not only is he the God of peace, he's the God of restoration. When we think of him as a God of peace, we must also think of him as a God of restoration because the peace he wants you to have is nothing missing, nothing broken. And if you have things missing in your life or broken in your life, you haven't received everything God wants you to receive. God wants you whole. God wants you restored. And you can find it on my notes because I can go through that. I gave you eight different definitions for restore and a whole bunch of other stuff is in my notes. You can find it on the app or on the YouVersion app. God wants to make you whole. God wants to restore you. This life restoration is available to you today. And it says in verse 26, And you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God that has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be ashamed. And you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and that I am the Lord your God and there's none else. And my people shall never be ashamed. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and on the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. We know peter quoted from this on the day of pentecost so we know that was being fulfilled then so we see something about the work of the holy spirit he brings restoration and the holy spirit still at work now that if you're a believer in the lord jesus christ the holy spirit moved on the inside of your heart the moment you were born again the moment you were saved but we also know there's something available after that it's called the baptism of the holy ghost or the bible evidence speaking in other tongues where the holy spirit comes upon you holy spirit within you is for you holy spirit upon you is for others Holy Spirit within you is for you. Holy Spirit upon is for others. So let's go back to Isaiah 61. Because one of the things we'll see here, like we said, verses 1 through 3, is about life restoration. It's what God has available for you right now. But you get to verse 4, and there's a shift. And they, well, who's the day? The people who receive life restoration. Zion, the people of God. So now we went from what God wants to do for you and has made available for you. Now the prophet has switched to talk about what you're going to do. They shall build the old waste. They, who? You, say me. Shall raise up the former desolations. And they, say me shall repair the waste cities, the desolations of many generations. So notice, the church is not just called to receive restoration. They're called to be agents of restoration. Yes, God has life restoration available for us, but even above that, he wants us to bring restoration wherever we go. So you may look at your life around you and say, how, how, how? we'll just keep reading for a second. Because you say ha, 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 now, there's even more for you to say ha, ha, about. And strangers shall stand and feed your flocks, and the sons of the aliens shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. So now you are have so much, you need you need to hire people to do the work for you. But you shall be named the priest of the Lord. Isn't that us? He says we're kings and priests. This is you. And they shall call you the ministers of our God. We'll get into this next week. We're all called to the ministry of reconciliation. And you shall eat the riches of the Gentiles. That's the word for nations. The abundance of the nation. Why? The whole world belongs to you, it's yours. And in their glory shall you boast yourselves. For your shame, you shall have double. Double. It's like, ooh, I got back what I lost. We'll go for double. Double for your trouble. And for confusion they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore in their land they shall possess the double. Everlasting joy shall be unto them. So this is for you right now as agents of restoration. Now you say, well, how in the world? Well, get out the world. Heaven's in you and your place is in heaven. Do you realize that heaven can touch the earth where you walk? Uh, sometimes what I confess before I preach, where I stand is where heaven touches the earth. Well, what's the scripture for that? Jesus told us to pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, which means my prayer life can bring heaven to earth. See, so many believers are in a rush to get to heaven. Yes, we want to go to heaven. We don't like the other option. No. But we're not in a rush to get there because... All those who believe in Jesus are going there. But those who use their faith can bring that here. And this world has enough hell in it. We need to give them heaven. We need to pass out samples of heaven so people know what is in store, what's available to them. Because Jesus bore the sins of the entire world. That's what the Gospels teach us. Not just the sins of the good church people. He's a lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. So there's a whole lot of false teaching that says, well, there are all these sins in between people and God. That's not true. Jesus paid the price for it. There's only one thing that sends people to hell. That's rejecting Jesus. And not making a decision for him is the same as rejecting him. Jesus paid the price for every sin. All people have to do is believe and receive him. But too many people are caught up in their own mistakes and their own sin and their own fear. And they need people to be agents of restoration, to bring heaven where they are, to give them a chance to make a choice. That's what we're called to do. So how are we supposed to do this as an agent of restoration? We sang about it a little bit earlier. Number one is through the power of the blessing. Oh, look at Genesis 9, verse 1. We talk about the power of the blessing. We are, a lot of us are familiar with the story of Noah. We talked about it in more detail this past Wednesday night, so I encourage you to go to the app or to YouTube and listen to Midweek's message, because I'm going to go into detail to it today. But we see the world has been destroyed because of judgment. Even before the judgment of the flood, it says the earth had been corrupted. Not the people. The world itself had been corrupted under the weight of sin. You have to understand, sin piled up in places brings destruction. And so it hadn't rained yet, so there are other type of natural disasters happening in that place because of sin. The earth itself has been corrupted. Yes, I believe that different pollutants can cause stuff in the air. There's no problem with that. But also so can sin. So just like people are concerned about climate change, you can change the climate by sin too. You can have all the stuff in place, follow all the EPA guidelines to make the air clean and stuff still happen. Ooh, what happened? People sinning. Oh God did it to them, no. Sin is a seed. It has a harvest. And when he started it out, there's places where he says it gets full, and when it gets full, judgment comes. It's how the world works, the law of seed, time, and harvest. And so the earth itself was already corrupted, and then divine judgment had to come. It's like, well, how can God be so merciful and flood the entire world? Notice he waited till the last man, the last one, was living right. He said, What about the rest of his family? It's kind of iffy if they were living right. A few of them, maybe. It's kind of iffy. They were survived because Noah served God. And so God waited. Because what would happen if it overtook all of humanity? Humanity would have been locked up in Satan's control forever. And they would have been slaves of sins forever. And Jesus wouldn't be able to come and deliver us. So judgment has to come. If it doesn't, sin will overtake the righteous. The evil people overtake the righteous people of God. So judgment had to come. It was an act of mercy. And the thing is, it took Noah somewhere between 80 and 110 years to build that ark. And it says Noah was a preacher of righteousness. That word preacher means a divine ambassador. So all those decades, he was preaching to give people an opportunity. Do you know how big that boat was? That thing was huge. Multiple football fields. You know, they had built a replica, a life-size replica in Kentucky. And we went to it one time that thing is huge. Do you know how many people you can fit on that thing? There was room for anybody who said yes. But no one said yes. So only Noah and his family survived. But imagine the destruction after you get off the boat because it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. And so that's a lot of rain. We talk about how much rain we got in the last 24 hours, but 40 days, 40 nights. But it also said that The earth began to open up and these geysers of water began to shoot up too for 40 days and 40 nights. But then also it says the heavens also poured down. So there's also other things that poured out outside of rain. You might say, well, what else can fall from the sky outside of rain? When he studied out, some scientists believe there used to be this covering over the earth of water. And so when did it go down? That day. And it rained so much, all the water covered the highest mountain by several feet. How I many know that doesn't disappear overnight, even when the rain stops? Noah and his family were on that boat for a year and a month, waiting for everything to dry out. So imagine what it looked like when you get off the boat. Everything's been destroyed. It's been over a year. In America, we're used to seeing the destruction hurricanes can bring, especially Category 5. But what would a Category Five hurricane look like that covered the entire world for 40 days, 40 nights, and then almost a year of everything being submerged? It is absolutely destroyed. So Noah gets off the boat, and you see in chapter eight, the first thing he does is he makes an offering, and God makes a promise and a covenant with him. And then you see chapter nine, verse one it says, "Noah and God bless Noah and his three sons." Well, how do you bless someone? You say, "Be blessed." So how is Noah supposed to fix this world? The blessing. He says, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. Be fruitful, produce, increase, multiply, become numerous, become great. Replenish, fill the earth. So how can they restore the earth, fix the earth, and increase and get this planet under control? The blessing of God. Now, bless is not just a religious catchphrase. It means empowered to prosper. And we were singing about the blessing earlier. And you're blessed right now. Go to Galatians 3.8. As we heard Minister David emphasize as he was leading into the song, we're not a cursed people, we're a blessed people. It says elsewhere in the scripture, you can't curse whom God has blessed. So what if they try to curse me? Don't agree. Don't agree. So, well, this has been traveling down my family line. Well, stop it. You have the authority to stop it. Now, make sure you're not doing the same things because sometimes the generational curses, all, all they are are generational patterns that you're doing the same thing. It's like, oh, well, heart disease runs in my family. Well, maybe that's because no one runs in your family. Say, well, high blood pressure runs in my family. Maybe it might, just maybe it might be what you've been eating that's been passed down. See, and I'll say it this way and all the love that I can say it with. You ain't a slave, so why are you eating like one? We've adapted into a culture what we had to do to survive hundreds of years ago and make it taste good because it was a scraps. But now we still eat that stuff. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Galatians 3, verse 8. See, I said it way enough in advance for Thanksgiving, so you still have time to make plans. You post Ooh, chitlins. No, stop. Stop. Oh, that seasoning. No, it's not. You know what it is, and I know what it is. Not enough hot sauce in the world can sanctify that. <laughs> Galatians 3, verse 8. Galatians 3, verse 8. <laughs> And the Scripture foreseen that God would justify the healing through faith preached the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. When he ask most people, what's the gospel? Oh, the good news. Well, that's true. Well, does the gospel? Jesus came and died for us, and he was risen on the third day. Yes, that's part of it. But notice how God preached the gospel to Abraham, how God summed up the gospel. In you shall all nations be blessed. That's the ministry of Jesus. You read in Acts, it says, when Peter's preaching, God sent Jesus to bless you. And where did the blessing start? He says, and turning each and every one of you from your iniquity. The gospel is the blessing. And you see God say it so many times in the Old Testament. You see, what he said to Noah is a reiteration of what he said to Adam and Eve. The first words mankind ever heard was the blessing. Now, God is the most intentional being ever. First words matter. So that's the perfect will of God for all men for all time. What? The blessing. So Adam and Eve, be blessed. Be blessed. And then he said to Noah, be blessed. Then he got to Abram, be blessed. I'll bless those that bless you. And so it keeps going through history. You see Galatians 3.8 verse 9 then says, so then they that be of faith, anybody of faith, are blessed with faithful Abraham. So the same blessing Adam and Eve have that Noah and his sons have that Abraham have, you have. Because you're of faith. You're blessed with them. Skip down to verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. So yes, you read Deuteronomy 28, there's a whole bunch of stuff that you don't want. But guess what? It does not belong to you because you've been redeemed from the curse. So when you look at the different things about the curse, you can say that has nothing to do with me. Being made a curse for us. One of the names of God in in the Old Testament, they call him the blessed one. So the son of the blessed one became cursed, so you wouldn't have to be cursed. The son of the blessed one took on the curse so that you can be blessed. For it is written, "Curses everyone that hangs on a tree, talking about the cross, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So guess what? It doesn't matter your nationality. Doesn't matter your lineage. A lot of people say, well, if I can become a Jew, I'll get blessed. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter do you believe in Jesus. Because you get the same blessings that Abraham and his seed got. And you keep reading Galatians 3, there's not multiple seeds, there's one. You've been engrafted in. Because if you've been, verse 29, if you be Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So we're supposed to do it through the blessing. Let's get speed up now. Go to Ezra chapter 6, verse 14 were agents of the rest of restoration through the blessing Ezra, Ezra chapter 6 was 14 we went more in details of this on Wednesday night so I encourage you to go back and listen to that Ezra chapter 6 was 14 And so one of the things we covered on Wednesday night, there are three different returns to Judah. There's the first one that was led by Zerubbabel, the second one that was led by Ezra, the third that was led by Nehemiah. And so the first one under Zerubbabel started off, well, the first mission was to rebuild the temple. The last mission was to rebuild the walls. And so as they are rebuilding the temple, opposition comes against them and stops them and discourages them. And they stop doing what God brought them to do in the first place. So what happened? Verse 14 and the elders of the Jews built, and they prospered through the prophesying of Haggai, the prophet, and Zechariah, the son of Iddo. And they built and finished it according to the commandment of the God of Israel, and according to the commandment of Cyrus and Darius and Artaxerxes, king of Persia. So they stopped. And so you read that God sent two prophets, Haggai and Zechariah, to preach and to prophesy. To preach and to prophesy. And what they preached and prophesied began to move them. And you read earlier in Ezra, the Holy Ghost began to work on them, and they started doing what God had said to do. They overcame the opposition through the word of the man of God that God sent them. And so you say, well, what do they preach to them? You read through Zechariah and Haggai. You'll see what they exactly preached. That caused the people to do what God called them to do. So number two, after the power of the blessing, the preaching and the prophesying through the ministry gifts God has sent to you. You become an agent of restoration through the preaching and the prophesying through the ministry gifts God has sent to you because they're restoring the temple. They are active in restoration, but they stopped, even though they are called and blessed, but they kept going because of the preaching and the prophesying of the ministry gifts God has sent you way. You now, being a tech person and believing in technology, we go through everything we can to get it to you. That's why we have the app, we have it on YouTube, and we're also doing some other things to prepare for the future, so that no matter where you are, you can get the word that God has for you, so that you can be an agent of restoration. Go to Nehemiah chapter 2. Now, as we covered on Wednesday, Nehemiah is just part 2 of the book of Ezra. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 18. So Nehemiah's mission was to rebuild the walls. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 18. He said, Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, and also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. But when Sambalad and Tobiah and Geshem heard it, they laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, What is the thing that you do? Will you rebel against the king? Then I answered them and said unto them, The God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore we, his servants, will rise and build. But you have no portion, nor right, nor memorial in Jerusalem. Now, what is the third thing? The hand of the Lord. Nehemiah was confident because the hand of the Lord was upon him. What is the hand of the Lord? You study it out. It's the Holy Spirit and his power. We call ourselves Christians. That doesn't mean we're calling ourselves anointed ones. We have the Holy Spirit within us. The Holy Spirit upon us. The hand of the Lord is upon us. Say, the hand of the Lord is upon me. And because Nehemiah knew the hand of the Lord was upon him, he responded to the opposition saying, God will prosper us. That was his confidence. The hand of God's on me, so God will prosper us. The hand of God is on you, so God will prosper you. So you need to start saying that. God will prosper us. So I'm looking at this plan to do so much more in the end of this year, next year through this church. Well, how are we going to do it? The hand the the hand of the Lord is upon us, so God will prosper us. When you look at your family, how are we going to do it? The hand of the Lord is on us, so God will prosper us. What if I make a mistake? Even the grace of God can turn our mistakes into a blessing. So stop coming up with all your reasons why you can't prosper and start responding to situations opposition. God will prosper us. Go to Proverbs chapter 23, verse 3. Let's look at the fourth thing. Actually, Proverbs chapter 24, 3 through 4. Through wisdom is a house built, and by understanding is established, and by knowledge shall the chambers be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Number four, the wisdom of God the wisdom of God. You need the wisdom of God to move forward in the days ahead. But what does James chapter 1 tell us? If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives liberty and upbraid if not. So if you need wisdom, ask for it. Yes, read the word, but ask God for wisdom. And don't just say, well, God, I need wisdom today. Be specific. God, I need wisdom in this Zoom meeting I'm about to walk into. God, I ask for wisdom concerning how to raise my kids during this time. I ask for wisdom on how do I prepare for the future because of what just appeared on my budget. Ask, be specific for wisdom. Well, God, what wisdom do I need to operate when I have the holidays coming up and I want to travel to this place? What wisdom do I need to operate by? Be specific in your request for wisdom. Then it goes on in James 1, let him ask in faith, for he that wavers tossed to and fro like the wind of the sea will receive nothing from the Lord. So asking in faith, what do you do when you ask in faith? You take it when you ask. So what if I didn't hear anything when I asked? You still take it by faith. And as you move forward, you know exactly what to do. And it says the person who wavers doesn't receive anything from the Lord and they are unstable in all their ways. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways, which lets me know a single-minded man is stable in all his ways. So if I keep my focus and I keep my face which turned on, I'll be stable in unstable times. Go back to Nehemiah chapter four. Some of you are like, I've never turned to Nehemiah in my life, but here we go. Nehemiah chapter 4. One of the things, if you just want to see all the things God was doing in the time of Ezra and Nehemiah, between chapter 6 and chapter 7 of Ezra, the book of Esther is taking place. It's so one of the things that shows you God is moving all around the world, even when you don't know it. When you're focused on what's in front of you, God is still working out for you and wells for others. So Nehemiah chapter 4. For 6. So built we the wall, and all the wall was joined together unto the half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. So if you're going to build, in mean, age of restoration, you're going to have to work. Work is not a bad word. It's not a cuss word. God wants us to. Hallelujah. But it came to pass that when Sambal and Tobiah and the Arabians and Ammonites and Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were made up, and that because the breach began to be stopped, they became very angry and conspired all of them together to come and to fight against Jerusalem and to hinder it. Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto God and set a watch against them day and night because of them. So they did what was spiritual. They prayed. And then they did the natural. We set a watch. Now, can you hand me my two props for today? And so what do they do? You'll see when you skip down to verse 13 that, I'll hold that. Notice what the man of God told him to do. Now, one of the things you're sorry about Nehemiah is Nehemiah's not a prophet. He's not a preacher. He's a politician who God anointed. So yes, God will anoint politicians. And so Nehemiah is a man of God, a man of prayer and fasting, as we talked about on Wednesday night. And you see in verse 13, he says, therefore I will set in the lower places behind the wall. And on the high places, I have even set people after their families, and their swords, and their spirits, and their bows. And I looked and rose up and said unto the nobles, to the rulers, to the rest of the people, Be not afraid of them. Remember the Lord, which is great and awesome, and fight for your brethren, for your sons, for your daughters, your wives, and your houses. And it came to pass, when our enemies heard that it was known to us, and God had brought their counsel to naught, they that we returned all of us to the wall, everyone to his work. And it came to pass, from that time forth, that half of my servants wrought in the work, and the other half held both the spears, the shields, the bows, and the harbogens, and the rulers. Were behind all the house of Judah. And they which built on the wall, they that bear burdens and those that laid it, every one of them with one in his hands wrought in the work and with the other hand held a weapon. For the builders, every one had his sword girded by his side and so built, and he that sounded the trumpet was by my side. So number five, you're going to have to build and fight. Not one or the other, both. And so what happened? The builders had a sword on their side. And there's other people building while holding their sword. And so you need to get your hard hat and you need to get your weapon and you need to build. Do not let the opposition take you down from your place. Build and fight. And these days you must build and fight. Fight the good fight of faith. We talked more last week about how to fight through the prophecy God has given you concerning restoration. Listen to that message. Do that. But you also need to build. God has called you to build something in your life, in your family, in your community. We must build and fight. Because the thing is, the enemy will try to send a whole bunch of attacks to get you to stop building and get you just into fight mode. But sometimes you'll also send distractions, things you don't even have to fight, you could just ignore. Sometimes we fight more things than we have to. But if we just ignore, we would have to fight it. Go to Nehemiah chapter six, verse three, we'll close here. And so you see in verse one, verse two, that the enemy again has sent opposition and they try to get Nehemiah, hey, come talk with us. You know, they start making up all these lies, all the different things that they said that, you know, what's going on. He says, I'm not listening to y'all. But notice how I respond to them, verse three. And I send messages unto them saying, I'm doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and come down to you? Yet they sent unto me four times after the sword, and I answered them the same manner. So they're trying to distract him, doing whatever they can to keep Nehemiah from building. They said, okay, the army won't work, so maybe we can distract him. And you have to respond to the enemy's distractions. I'm doing a great work. I can't come down. I don't got time for you. I'm doing something right here. You got to respond to the enemy's distractions because he'll send anything he can to distract you. See, when we talk about the cares of this world, Mark chapter 4, is care or worry presented through the idea of distraction. So a lot of the worries and cares that come your way are just distractions, trying to fill up your mind when you should be filling up with faith. Build and fight. God has a great work for you to do. Do not come down from your place. Do not come down from your assignment. Do not come down from the seat where God has seated you in. Don't give up the mission God has called you to do because of the distraction. Build and fight. We have to be like them who had a mind to do the work. And they were able to accomplish the work in record time. The power of the blessing, the preaching, the prophesying through the ministry gifts God has sent to you. The hand of the Lord that is upon you. The wisdom of God. And then you must build and fight. God has work for us to do, and we will do the work. We will do what God has called us to do. We will ignite an awakening that impacts Georgia and influences the world through the power of the love of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for watching today. We hope today's message was a blessing to you that it empowered you to make Jesus famous in every area of your life. Hey, if you want to be a part of what God's doing here at Faith, you know, our vision statement is to ignite awakening that impacts Georgia and influences the world through the power of the love of Jesus. And we'd love for you to be a part. You can find out our different experience times and our different locations by going to FCCGA.com. If you want to give, you can text FCCGA to 73256. You can also go to FCCGA.com to give online and be a part of what God's doing here. We'd love to see you anytime you're in our area. We believe God has something good just for you. And anytime you come to our faith experience, we believe you will experience God and his plan for your life. So thank you for tuning in today. We'll see you next time.